Tanisan takes a wrong turn. There's an interesting story behind the purple hanging baskets in Tanisan's back garden. Some time ago, she and her three friends decided to do the Chichibu pilgrimage as part of their overly optimistic and short-lived Keep Fit programme. A hundred-kilometre circuit of the Chichibu Valley, it took in no less than 34 Buddhist temples. Quite frankly, it was never going to happen. Nonetheless, they all piled into Mrs. Terracado's Honda with every good intention. Yet the entire enterprise was doomed from the moment that Tanisan put herself in charge of map reading in order to secure the more comfortable front passenger seat. An hour or so into their journey, they were entering the Chichibu National Park when she announced that she'd found a shortcut that would shave some 20 minutes off their journey time. Naturally, her friends were sceptical, because there was only one road to Chichibu, and they were on it. Yet Tanisan stood firm. Look, I'm telling you, she said, if we take this next left through the forest, it'll bring us out closer to our inn at Oganomachi. Here, on the left. Take it, take it. In the heat of the moment, Mrs. Terracado capitulated and swerved left at the next break in the trees. This took them down a narrow track that wound its way through a dark forest. Fifty metres further on, there was a fork. Where now? Where now? yelled Mrs. T, who suddenly seemed incapable of taking her right foot off the accelerator. Right! Right! barked Tanisan. No! Left! Left! The little Honda went speeding down the slope, sending up a great cloud of dust in its wake. At the same time, Messrs. Sekiguchi and Ishihama in the back seat were thrown this way and that, as their leisurely excursion into the picturesque backwaters of Saitama Prefecture suddenly became a very fraught affair indeed. Left here, yelled Tanisan as they approached a series of twists and bends. No, right! No, left! No, no, right! At this point, the scenery changed. Gone with the mountains and forests, instead they found themselves traversing a much gentler landscape of rolling pastureland and high hedgerows. There were cows and horses in the adjacent fields. Then just around the next bend, they came across a sign at the side of the road, so they pulled over to take it in. Welcome to Nantwich, it read, Floral Market Town. For several moments, a stunned silence held sway, but then Mrs. Terracado had the bright idea of consulting the Honda's sat-nav. Zooming out on their current location, she soon had the entire country in view, at which point Mrs. Sekiguchi, who was sat behind her, leant forward to scrutinise the distinctive coastline. Isn't that the British Isles? she ventured tentatively. As one, they turned to their navigator in the front seat. However, rather than admit there was a problem, Tanisan continued to study her map of the Chichibu Tamakai National Park, albeit with renewed determination. OK, take a right over there, she said, pointing to a junction further up the road. With the usual grinding of gears, Mrs. Terracado set off along the road. At the next junction, Tanisan took them down a much narrower one, believing that if she just stuck steadfastly to the map, reality would eventually fall back into line. However, reality was in no mood to cooperate on this occasion, and soon they found themselves back at the road sign. Welcome to Nantwich, it read. Floral, well, you know the rest. Yes, I thought that might happen, said Tanisan, who actually had thought nothing of the sort. Carry on, she said, straight ahead, up that road. 
In a very few minutes, they found themselves in a market square, with narrow streets radiating out in all directions. A 14th century church with a broad tower stood at its centre, and just outside its leafy precincts, there was a green with two wooden benches and a war memorial. The square itself was surrounded by shops and cafes, some of which occupied the ground floors of quaint black and white buildings. The people, though, were very different, so much so that it made them feel like a group of itinerant elves that had accidentally wandered into a land of giants and ogres. As for Tanisan, she was still trying to get them back to where they were meant to be, only now she'd abandoned the map altogether and was relying on her infallible instincts. Ah, yes, I know where we've gone wrong now, she said. Take that side street over there. That'll take us back onto the main road. Very nearly at the end of her tether, Mrs. Terracado continued up a cobbled side street. However, instead of taking them out of town, as it should have done, it brought them straight back into the square, but on the north side. Hold on a second, said Mrs. Sekiguchi, looking across to the church. How did we get here? We were over there a minute ago and heading in the opposite direction. Mrs. Terracado pulled up to the side of the road, leant over the wheel and gave a sigh. Why do we keep falling for it, she said, every single time. Why do we allow Tanisan to map read? It always ends badly. You can't blame me for this, countered Tanisan. It was your driving that got us into this mess. My driving, scoffed Mrs. T. I was following your directions. You were out of control and weaving about all over the place, said Tanisan, just like you were at Zumba class. Ladies, ladies, urged Mrs. Sekiguchi from the back seat. Let's at least try to refrain from personal abuse. Have we not learnt the lessons of the past? It doesn't matter whose fault it was. Clearly we've gone wrong somewhere and ended up in a foreign country. But that's no excuse for bad manners. I suggest that we all calm down and work together to solve the problem. She was right, of course. So they all piled out of the car and looked about at their new surroundings. They were parked on a side street in front of a lingerie boutique called Selfish Jeans, which catered for the larger lady. And while even Mrs. Terracado fell well short of its target demographic, they couldn't resist a thorough perusal of the items on display, if only as dispassionate observers. They then continued down the slope towards a pub called the Cheshire Cat. But before that, there was a cutting called Bowel Lane, so they turned down that and emerged at the entrance to a large square building with a glass roof. It was an indoor market, full of the most dreadful tat imaginable. What is more, it was permeated by the smell of raw meat, which grew in strength as they approached the food hall. Oh, barbarians, muttered an appalled Mrs. Sekiguchi, putting a handkerchief to her nose. They emerged at the other end, into an area called the Pillory, a cobbled courtyard surrounded by various small shops. A crowd of locals had gathered there to watch some sort of performance that was taking place. The ladies found a gap in the crowd and pushed their way to the front, only to be confronted by the most bizarre sight imaginable. Six paunchy men of advancing years prancing about and waving handkerchiefs to the folksy stylings of an old and wheezy accordion. They were dressed as supermarket bakers for some reason, with bells on their trousers, flowers in their hats and long multicoloured ribbons hanging down their backs. What on earth is this? asked Mrs. Terracado, with a look of blank incomprehension. 
No idea, said Tanisan, although I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's a lot of unemployment in the area. Let's ask that lady over there. I'll do it, volunteered Mrs Ish, who, while undoubtedly keen to try out her English, was just as undoubtedly the least qualified to do so. The person Tanisan was referring to was stood among the onlookers opposite, regarding Tanisan and friends with the same quiet interest that they were showing her. She was the closest thing to a familiar face that they'd seen since they got there. Short, white-haired and rather elderly, she too was of oriental appearance, but dressed in keeping with local fashions, with a particular emphasis on flamboyant knitwear. Good meeting, grinned Mrs Ish, approaching her with ill-deserved confidence. What, by these motions, is the local signification? Now, you would have expected a question like that, if indeed it was a question, to elicit a bemused response, but nothing of the sort. In fact, the other lady's face immediately lit up. Oh, you are Japanese, she said. I wasn't sure at first, but as soon as you opened your mouth, I knew it. Hey, said Mrs Ishihama, I can understand every word she says. Yes, said Tanisan, well, I wouldn't get too excited if I were you. It may have something to do with the fact that she's speaking to you in Japanese. As it turned out, this other lady's name was Mrs Morioka, and she was very pleased to meet some fellow Tokyoites, having not spoken to anyone from her neck of the woods for some time. So they all repaired to a nearby cafe called the Angry Cheese, where Tanisan and friends told her about their morning and everything that had happened to them so far. At the end of it, Mrs Morioka took a little sip of her latte macchiato and put down her glass. Would it surprise you, she said, if I told you that pretty much the same thing happened to me? Really, said Tanisan. I assumed that you were here by choice. Oh no, said Mrs Morioka. No one comes to Nantwich by choice. They end up here. It's a bit like being caught in the clutches of one of those dreadful carnivorous plants. Once it has you in its grasp, it's almost impossible to escape. It happened to us, my late husband and I, back in the 80s. We were visiting my mother in Nagoya when we suddenly came upon that sign just outside of town. Like you, we did everything we could to get back onto the expressway, but were thwarted at every turn. See, said Tanisan, nudging Mrs Terracardo in the ribs, it has nothing to do with my map-reading skills. If you don't mind my asking, what have you been doing for the last 40 years? inquired Mrs Sekiguchi, who was just starting to realise that she'd made a big mistake in ordering the mango tea. Well, initially, said Mrs Morioka, we redoubled our efforts to escape. We must have tried everything, from bribing a delivery driver to smuggle us out, to tunnelling under the ring road. We even attempted a breakout in a hot air balloon, but no matter what, we always ended up back here. So when our spirits were broken, and all of our hopes utterly crushed, we opened a wool shop. Ah, said Tanisan, raising a point-making finger, but you didn't say that it was impossible to escape. You said that it was almost impossible. So I did, said Mrs Morioka, although the only person I've heard of who's been successful was a lady by the name of Florence Gray, who stopped here on the way to Chester in 1874, only to find herself quite unable to leave when the time came. According to an account that I came across in the local library, she was forced to seek employment in the area and ended up as a governess to a local family. After a time, she became friendly with the housekeeper, a Mrs Bilgewater, who was well-versed in all the local legends, 
one of which concerned the Nantwich grievance. It seemed that the townspeople had always felt themselves to be exploited by outsiders. First the Romans, then the Normans, and then of course the Royalists in the English Civil War. This resulted in a deep-seated distrust of strangers, which eventually took on concrete expression in the form of the grievance, a kind of curse or malediction carried forward by subsequent generations. What it did was to compel all those arrived here from the outside to contribute to the town rather than take from it, either by remaining here and adding to the local economy, or by paying a toll. What kind of a toll? asked Tanisan with a twitch of her nose. Simply this, said Mrs Morioka. They had to go into a local shop and buy something. If they did just that, they were free to leave. Well, that's easy enough, shrugged Mrs Terracada. We can do that right now. Yet Mrs Morioka's demeanour remained grim. All I can tell you, she said, is that it wasn't so easy for Florence Gray. She was an old maid before she finally managed to get away from the place. What I gather from her diary is that this coincided with the opening of Grudgeley's, a lady's outfitters on the parade. You see, it's not enough just to buy something. You actually have to want it. Yet Mrs Morioka's words of caution did nothing to dent Tanisan's confidence. With all due respect, Morioka-san, she said, we are four seasoned consumers with over 140 years of retail shopping experience between us. If there's a bargain to be found here, or indeed anywhere, we will sniff it out with all the alacrity of truffle hogs. So as soon as they changed some money at one of the local banks, they split into two groups, one to cover the square, the other the indoor market. An hour or so later, they reconvened at Mrs Morioka's wool shop on Tadpole Street, though in the case of Messrs Sekiguchi and Terracado, it was empty-handed. We went up and down the aisle three times, maintained Mrs T in an effort to justify their failure. We examined every stall, but I defy anyone from a first-world economy to find one solitary thing in the length and breadth of that blessed flea market that's worth forking out good money for. I really tried to like one blouse, said Mrs Sekiguchi, close to tears, but it was just awful. Well, then, it's a lucky thing that one of us has managed to do a half-decent job, chided Tanisan, regarding them both with scorn. With that, she tipped out an entire carrier bag of stuff onto the counter. All the same, there was a problem. No, no. No, said Mrs Morioka as she examined each of Tanisan's purchases in turn. If it were this easy, don't you think I would have left myself years ago? Cakes, sweets, biscuits, these are food items. They fall under the category of things that you need, not things that you want. But I do want them, said Tanisan. Nevertheless, said Mrs M, foodstuffs are regarded as a necessity, so they don't count. These are the rules of the grievance. I don't make them. Having failed miserably in their own efforts, they then turned to Mrs Ish, although it was not without a certain trepidation. Everything was riding on this. What did you get, Ishihama-san? inquired Mrs Terracado, with a nod towards the limp-looking plastic bag that Mrs Ish was holding on to. Oh, she said, well, I went into a local antique store and I found this. She then produced a curious metal cylinder, about ten centimetres long, hinged, and with a series of small cogs at one end. When she opened it up, there were four brass rollers inside. 
What made you buy that? asked Mrs. Terracado, stepping up to get a better look. I don't know, shrugged Mrs. Ishihama helplessly. Well, what is it? asked Mrs. Sekiguchi. I don't know, said Mrs. Ish. Well, how do you know you want it if you don't know what it is? asked Mrs. Terracado. I don't know, was all that Mrs. Ishihama could think of saying. Danisan hung her head in despair. But in the next instant, she marched up to Mrs. Ish and snatched the object off her. Oh, well, she said, it's worth a try. Let's go. They were already halfway out of the door before they realised that their new friend, Mrs. Morioka, was not with them. Come with us, urged Tanisan. It's no more trouble to take five than it is four if you're willing to squeeze into the back. I'd be happy to sit there myself, of course, she added as an afterthought. But I'm the map reader, you see, so it's out of the question. Yet the kindly Mrs. Morioka merely smiled. It's very good of you to offer, she said, but I think I'll stay here where my friends are, even though it is, as you say, rubbish here. And with that, she wished them all good luck. Still holding on to Mrs. Ishi's unfathomable object, Danisan joined the others in Mrs. Terracado's car, which was parked outside the wool shop with one wheel on the pavement. They then set off along the street with the usual grinding of gears. The idea was, well, they didn't quite know what the idea was, but the main thing was to get them onto the road that had brought them into town. So once again, they were at the mercy of Tanisan's navigational skills. Left here, she said, pointing to the upcoming junction with the metal cylinder. No, no, right. I mean, left. Ten minutes later, they pulled up in front of the dry cleaners on Kipper Street, still no closer to leaving town than they had been three hours ago. What now? asked an anxious Mrs. Sekiguchi from her perch in the back seat. Well, there's nothing else for it but to shop and shop again, said Tanisan, until we find something that we actually want to buy. Which was pretty much how they spent the rest of that afternoon. By 4.30, the little Honda was so stuffed with useless junk they could hardly move. And to make matters worse, it was now approaching closing time, when all the bowler-hatted businessmen and spiky-haired punk rockers went back to their council houses for afternoon tea. So faced with the prospect of being marooned there overnight, the emotions began to run high. This can't be happening, whimpered a panic-struck Mrs. Sekiguchi as they pulled over for the umpteenth time. I've got to get out of here. I've just got to. I can't die in a place where the women are tattooed and the bakers prance about with handkerchiefs spreading germs. Fortunately, and in spite of Tanizan's much-repeated offer to administer a couple of good smacks, she finally managed to calm down. So they took a moment to reflect on their predicament. It was then that Tanisan noticed a very curious thing. Do you see where we are, she said, pointing out of the passenger window. Where they were was where they'd started, in the exact same parking spot outside Selfish Jean's lingerie shop, where they had observed certain items. Tanisan was beginning to suspect that there was some sort of a process at work here. A series of moves, perhaps, that had to be played out until you reached a certain point, at which the trap opened and there was a brief chance of escape. So she jumped out of the car and headed straight into the boutique. Her three friends, watching her go, were very surprised by this. What's she going in there for? muttered Mrs. Terracado to her backseat passengers. They don't do lingerie in children's sizes, do they? Five minutes later, Tanisan came running out with something large and lacy in a pink plastic carrier bag. Go, 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 she said, jumping into the front passenger seat. 
So then Mrs. Terracardo slammed the car into gear and they set off. At the end of that street was the ring road that had so far kept bringing them back into town. But now Tanisan noticed something odd about the upcoming road sign. To the left it said Town Centre, just as it had on the twelve previous occasions. Whereas to the right she now read Chichibu instead of Chester. Turn right, here, she barked, never more certain of a direction in her life. Why Chester? asked Mrs Terracardo, who couldn't see what Tanisan saw, but nonetheless did what she was told and swerved right at the next corner, almost colliding with a large piece of agricultural machinery that was trundling towards them. Left here, instructed Tanisan, at the next sign for Chichibu. Right here, she enjoined, at the one after that. Then, just as before, the landscape suddenly changed. Gone was the dreary edge-of-town housing estate that they had just been traversing. They were back in the forests of the Chichibu National Park. Oh no, now we're back here again, complained Mrs Ish, who had clearly misunderstood the entire point of the exercise. But then a great cheer went up from Mrs Sekiguchi and Mrs Terracado, who in her excitement almost lost control of the car. Pulling over to the side of the road, she slammed on the brakes and turned to Tanisan. You did it! You actually did it! she exclaimed. Of course, shrugged Tanisan. You should trust me next time. But how? I mean, what? I mean, why? babbled Mrs Sekiguchi from the back seat. So then Tanisan reached into the selfish jeans carrier bag and withdrew a gigantic purple bra. She might just as well have produced the complete works of Jane Austen from her left nostril for all the sense it made. Her three friends gaped at her purchase in astonishment. Mrs Terracardo was the first to speak. No, I just don't get it, she said, pointing uncertainly at the purple brassiere. What could a person of your size possibly want with that? Now, of course, I could tell you what Tanisan told them. But I think you'll find that I've already answered that. <laughs>